Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, so we are continuing our conversation on the sovereignty of God this week. Yesterday, we looked at uh, kind of a, an extreme, kind of distorted version of God's sovereignty, namely through fatalism. Uh, the fatalism of Islam, and, and we want to look at the other uh, wrong extreme today, and this is a uh, ideology, a theology called open theism. And uh, open theism, in a nutshell, says that God is not in control over everything because there are some things that God just doesn't know, like, for instance, the free choices of mankind, and therefore the future is open to its own fashioning, thus the the label open theism. Now, one proponent of open theism has said this in his book, uh, The Openness of God, quote, God takes risks in this give and take relationship. God works with human decisions, adapting his own plans to fit the changing situation. God does not control everything that happens, end quote. Now, how do we respond biblically to this view? Well, I, I think, first of all, you know, give the open theists, um, which is, we were just discussing off the air, that it, it's a movement that's kind of come and gone, although it still has a few adherents, and it was also mostly an academic movement. All, all, you know, but let's, let's give them credit that uh, the open theists were attempting to respond to a pastoral concern which is why, why does a good and all-powerful God allow evil and suffering in his world? And how, how, can we, how can we reconcile that, that there is evil and suffering? How do we reconcile that with um, the, you know, the goodness and, and love and, and, and power of God? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, the, the open theists, uh, uh, t- to my view, uh, answered, uh, answered that question uh, rather than living, living with a bit of mystery and, and living with a few unanswered questions, uh, bad theology, brothers and sisters, bad theology often results from trying to answer questions that we're really not given an answer for in God's Word, uh, and that failing to trust in the sovereignty and goodness of God even through and in suffering uh, that God is working out His good purpose uh, in this. Uh, you know, open open theism resolved the tension there by reducing God, yeah. by by reducing God to to a being who's not God at all. At least not the God of the Bible, who's sovereign over all things and who who both rules and overrules. Um, it, it's it, it sounds pastoral, uh, but it really in the end is is a cheat which sells short. Uh, who the Bible tells us that God is in his fullness. Yeah. 
You were mentioning uh, this aspect of uh, the denial of God's foreknowledge. He chooses to limit his sovereignty in such a way that he doesn't know what we'll choose to do. Uh, DJ James Kennedy uh, wrote uh, something on the sovereignty of God. He says, some people believe that God submits and man permits, uh, that God can only do that which um, man allows him. How ludicrous to think that the almighty God, who by his very word caused galaxies of universe to leap into being, should be governed by his creation, like some mighty mouse who lifts his finger to the almighty, infinite God and says, thus far and no further shalt thou go. Mm-hmm. And he refers to that as blasphemy. Actually, the Evangelical Theological Society uh, taught, we believe the Bible clearly teaches that God is a complete, accurate, and infallible knowledge of all past events, present events, future events, including all future decisions and actions of free moral agents. Mm-hmm. And and so there's a there are ways to refute um, this uh, matter of open theism. You know, the Bible clearly speaks about God's foreknowledge. You know, we can, you know, we can think about that in terms of salvation. Those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, mm-hmm. Romans 8. Um, he, we know we know what's true. In fact, Isaiah uh, 46, 9 and 10. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the be- beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. So in one way, they just simply deny uh, parts of Scripture. Um, and and we, we need to realize um, that that has had an implication um, you know, with regard to biblical inerrancy, we mm-hmm. talked about inerrancy uh, some weeks ago. Um, you know, the, the the Bible is without error; it's not liable to be proved false or anything like that. But according to open theism, you know, God couldn't have known the prophecies that He gave. Yeah. Uh, he was He was only predicting, not prophesying. Yeah, because um, He didn't know how it was going to turn out. Yeah, and this denial of God's foreknowledge has implications for us in the future. How can we be certain that God will deliver on all his promises at the end of history? If the future is a combined result of what God and his creatures decide to do, then how can we be sure yeah. of those uh, promises that we have in his word? So yeah. it, is a, it was an academic a- effort, but um, you know, when you get wrong, the problem wrong at the very beginning, it doesn't matter how many times you work out the equation, it's, you're going to come up with the wrong answer in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think open theism, uh, like a lot of mistakes in this area, result from our instinctual fear that God fully sovereign means man fully robot. In other words, if God is fully sovereign, how can we be free agents? How can we make our own decisions for our own reasons? And so the open... uh, theologians were basically saying, well, God is not sovereign. He knows more than we do. He's more powerful than we are. He's there to help us, but he's He's not sovereign. The thing is, that kind of theology is only helpful in a wealthy society where things are going well in your life. Mm-hmm. If things are not going well, if uh, if if um, um, you know if our country's ever overrun, if it's ever taken over militarily, if we're ever sitting in a death camp waiting to die because of our faith in Jesus, 
that kind of therapist God who's there to hear our problems and to give us some nice thoughts and try to do a little bit for that that God's not going to do anything for no. us and and really uh, the when the rubber meets the road in life or even if we have a loved one yeah. who's not a Christian who's very hardened against God or if you have a ruler uh, who is very evil, who is uh, perpetrating tyranny and oppressing people, and you want God to change the situation. The God of the open uh, open theology, uh, God, uh, is, is not going to do to anybody any good. You need the God that Nebuchadnezzar came to meet in Daniel chapter 4, right, yes. which is his conversion story, yes. at, where he was proud, he was hardened, he was the most powerful man in the Mediterranean world. He had every human incentive to say, who is God? God took his sanity away from him from seven year, for seven years, made him eat grass like an ox, mm-hmm. and then restored his sanity. And Nebuchadnezzar came to faith, and part of the book of Daniel is written by Nebuchadnezzar himself yeah. Yeah, right. in the language of the Chaldeans, which was the language of the empire. This message went out everywhere. And when he confessed his conversion, you know, his confession largely consists of talking about how sovereign God is. God does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And there is no one who can stay his hand. And Nebuchadnezzar is speaking from personal uh, experience, but at the same time, where does all that sovereignty of God go? How did it show up in Nebuchadnezzar's life? By saving him, by yeah. bringing him to know yeah. the one and true living God. Yeah. You know, that's the way it's always presented in the Bible. Yeah, and I think I think what, what kind of originates open theism is a wrong view, not only on God, as you guys have already talked about, but the, a wrong view of humanity. Mm-hmm. As if left to ourselves, we're going to make the right decision. Uh, that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches the exact opposite, that left to ourselves, we will only choose wrong. I mean, in Genesis 6, it says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. If that's, what you're, if that's the raw material that you're starting out with. And, and, and a person is given the choice of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ or continuing in their evil. They're going to continue in their evil 100% of the time. George Whitfield famously said, free will? Yeah, I believe in free will. I have a free will to go to hell, but I don't have a free will to go to heaven. Um, and so we're touching right now on this idea of compatibilism, and I kind of want to rush through this at the end of this program, so hopefully you'll get a second to respond to this. Compatibilism is the, the right view in my, in, in, from my perspective that God is sovereign and yet man is responsible. And I think we can see it really clearly in Acts chapter 4 where the apostle Peter prays. He says this to God, truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan predestined to take place. Now here in this prayer, Peter holds two things together, that this was a conspiracy carried out, carried out by wicked men and that God decided that this would happen. So God is sovereign and man is responsible. And any other view actually destroys the cross. Because if we understand the cross only in terms of the conspiracy of wicked men, then the cross was an accident of history. And this undermines the entire Old Testament for the 
Old Testament prophesies about this very moment. However, if we go the other way and if we stress God's sovereignty in Jesus's death to the exclusion of Herod and Pontius Pilate, then humanity is exonerated of evil. So if, if God's sovereignty means that all um, underneath it are immune from charges of transgression, then all are immune. In that case, there is no sin for which the atonement is necessary. So in other words, let me sum it up. If God is, isn't sovereign, the cross is an accident. If man isn't responsible, then the cross is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So res- can you guys respond to that in the short time we have left? Well, you know, the, the thing is, the Bible teaches from beginning to end that God is exhaustively sovereign, and because he is sovereign, not in spite of his sovereignty, because he is sovereign, we are free, meaning we are free agents. We make our own decisions for our own reasons. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a mystery. How do we explain it? And that's when we run into troubles, when we want to explain that propositionally. The Bible never undertakes to explain it propositionally, but what it does do is something much, much better. It shows us. It gives us an illustration. It shows us from beginning to end how it works and what it looks like when it works. And so we see in the lead-up to Christ's crucifixion, all the players, Pilate, Herod, uh, the Sanhedrin, uh, all the people are making their own decisions for their own reasons, and Satan is manipulating them in the background for his own reasons. Mm -hmm. And yet, in and through and over all of that is God's sovereignty working the salvation of the world. They all did what he determined must happen for the salvation of the world. That's how it worked. There's, there it is, laid mm-hmm. out for us very, very clearly. Mm-hmm. Now, when you try to state that propositionally, we can't do it. But when you think about it, how many of the most important truths of the Bible and of Christianity can we explain propositionally? Right. The Trinity, the divinity and humanity of Christ, none of it. And the early creeds were designed to protect those miseries, not explain them. Yep. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that you can tune in again with us tomorrow. Just go to ReformationBoise.com. You can get caught up on our past broadcasts and find uh, information about our annual conference coming up in November. We look forward to seeing you next time. 